Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Wow. What's his name? Online, what's his name? Why don't you put that in the chat there for me online if you have access to the chat so I can see you there. Andrew, good morning. I see you're joining us on YouTube. Uh, I'm believing that the Joshua House men are joining us because if not in real time, they might just be slightly delayed. Uh, but they've been joining us. They've been getting the links. They've been getting the notes and the teaching. So can we give it up for all our men that are living life, not just in recovery, but discovery? Come on. I want to read this. We're so blessed to have uh, Pastor Rudy and Pastor Steph back. Um, we've always said this, but this church is full of diamonds, acres of diamonds in the house. And as we were worshiping, the Lord just led me to John 4, 22 to 24. You worship what you do not know, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. Do you hear his words every time you show up in his house to worship him? Are you coming before him in spirit and in truth? Are you coming with preparation in your hearts, not just to receive from him, but to give to him what is due? And that is our true and proper worship. Whew. That's it. That's my, it hit me personally. You know, did I feel like my feet leaving the floor? No, I didn't feel like it. But, but the Lord just hit me so hard that I am here to worship him. I'm not here worshiping the band. I'm not here applauding them. I'm applaud. It's the same reason that Pastor Rudy and Pastor Steph, that they write these songs and they travel all around the world, is to glorify God. And that's why the doors of opportunity have opened up. If we will worship our God in spirit and in truth, how much more doors will open up for us? Or if we just worship him when things are going good, then what good is that for us. You know, I'm going to actually challenge you with that. This wasn't part of the, the plan in the scripture that I shared, but the don't just wait for good things to happen to worship God. Can you worship him in good times and in bad? Can you learn to be content in all circumstances? Can you believe that all things are working together for good for those of us that love the Lord? Can you show up, man? And I don't mean just show up. Can you show him praise every day? Not just in the house. Yes, this is his house. But everywhere that you go in life. Can you be that light? Can you understand that you have Jesus and therefore you will not walk in darkness if you have the light? Will others know there's a difference between you and everybody else that doesn't know Jesus because you worship him in spirit and in truth? Get one amen. <laughs> All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are here to speak to us as men. But you also speak to us in a way you call us to man up. Lord, so that we can be the man that you've called us to be. The fathers you've called us to be. The husbands you've called us to be. The leaders you've called us to be. We thank you, Lord, that you speak with such grace and truth. Lord, that through your Holy Spirit that you call us to a greater purpose a higher level of living. 
as we serve others and we honor you in our acts of service. Lord Jesus, in this time together now, I pray that your word would speak louder than my own voice. Lord, in this time together, that we would see less of us and more of you in our life. Lord, that we would come before you and just lay at your altar at the foot of the cross anything that is hindering us from getting closer to you and closer to one another. Lord Jesus, we thank you that this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it and that your mercies are made new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for my brothers. Thank you for your word that you have given us today. Amen. Amen. All right, so you're going to need to take notes today. Um, if you didn't get paper to take notes, get some. Um, I, my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. There's a stack of papers, I think, still sitting there. Can I have uh, Darren or, oh, look at that, Ethan already hand those out. Reason being is we're going to go through the book of Job. And yeah, and you're going to want to take a lot of notes. I spent a lot of time starting at 3 a.m. this morning diving more deeper into Job and trying to give you a great understanding in the next 10 to 15 minutes, a snapshot of what the Lord has to show us through the book of Job. And my notes might be there too. If you do see them, hand them to me, please. Don't take my notes. I would love to have a backup to the backup. Um, Let's add my father-in-law to the stream too. There we go. Good morning, Pastor Ray. Thanks for joining us today. Always great to have my, and I know, you know, I know this, I found out uh, this, my dad is watching right now. Um, My dad doesn't go on and log on to YouTube, but my mom told me every Sunday they listen to this service live on YouTube. So dad, uh, my own father, I'm honored to have you today. I'll probably talk about you and honor you uh, both a little bit. I'll do my best to do that. Okay. So everybody ready to take notes? Yeah. Put your papers in front of you and your pens. If you got papers and pens, just hold them up. And, and, and you can get the QR code on the screen. It's available here too. You can, please, please take your own notes. Uh, I want to participate with you today. So I posted this last night before I even went deeper into the book of Job. But these were some of the things that were on my heart. Have you ever questioned God or found yourself arguing with the Almighty? Show of hands. All right. No one else? You guys, the other guys have never questioned God. Have you ever questioned God? Ever? Nope, I don't question him. It's just, it's all good. I've never, ever questioned him. Okay, we do, yeah. Good, this is for you. Maybe over the years you didn't always agree, even with your own father, and maybe you've gotten deep enough to see sometimes there's a correlation to the way that you see your own father and the way that you see your heavenly father. Maybe you've recognized even the way that you respond to your own father and the way that you respond to your heavenly father. Sometimes there's a connection to the two. Through all of this, we watch and we learn from others, and we are influenced by those that are in authority or those that take on a fatherly role in our lives. We learn whether or not to continue to give praise when at times we feel like we're being punished. Can you think of the last time, it would have been a long time ago probably, when you were a child and your father punished you? Did you give him praise for it? <laughs> Thank you, Father. That's good. I needed that. <laughs> a few of us chuckle. 
In the midst of our struggles, how do we know when is the best time to speak? And, and, and how should we still learn to be still and listen and know that he is God? Well, together, by getting in the scriptures and coming together as men, we can ask some of these hard questions and we can get what he has for us, and that is the revelation. So I want to look at the book of Job. And again, this is just a snapshot Man, this is just a a snapshot, but take notes. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to give you something, and all of a sudden that context is going to create clarity for you in your own life and what you're going through right now. So here it is. It takes place in the land of Uz, U-Z, Uz. This land is far away from Israel, and the character here is Job, and he's not even an Israelite. We, we don't have a clear uh, picture of the part of ancient history, but this seems to be intentional. Like the author doesn't want us to be distracted by the historical questions. But simply the story of Job and the revelation raised by his experience through suffering. The central body of the book is deep Hebrew poetry representing four conversations between Job and four dialogue partners called the Friends. The conversations are concluded by a series of poetic conversations between God and between Job, and this is in chapters 36 to 41. In chapters 1 to 2, the prologue introduces Job, and he is it says he is blameless, he is righteous, and this is in your blanks, and he honors God. Okay, this we know about him. He is blameless, he is righteous, and he honors God. Then we are are transported to the scene in the heavenly realm like a, a scene in court. And we see Satan, and in Hebrew, which means the accuser or the persecutor. And God presents Job as this truly righteous man, and then the accuser, Satan, challenges God's policy of rewarding righteous people like Job saying the only reason that Job obeys you, Lord, is because you give him prosperity every time he does good. The accuser challenges God and says, let him suffer, and we'll see how truly righteous your Job is. So God agrees to let the accuser inflict suffering on Job. At this point, we're probably all thinking the same thing. Why would God do that? Why would God allow good people to suffer? We hope that this book of Job will answer this question. And again, more important, the reason is the revelation. Because, spoiler alert, the question doesn't get answered. The questions are this. Is God just? And does he operate the universe according to the principle of justice? the world's understanding of the principle of justice. This response to those questions is at the end of the book. And the ultimate reason for Job's suffering is never revealed. Chapters 1 and 2, Job is suffering and he's being rebuked by his wife and three friends. Three friends who try to offer him wisdom and counsel. They represent the best of ancient thinking regarding God. Okay, that's what the three friends represent. The best of ancient thinking when it comes to God. 
suffering, and the human condition. That's these three friends. In the main section, in chapters 3 to 37, Job speaks, a friend responds, and then Job responds back to that friend. Three cycles, three debates, focusing on three questions. It should be in your notes. A, is God truly just in his character? Is God truly just in his character? B, does God run the universe on the strict principle of justice? And C, if so, how is Job's suffering to be explained? See, Job and his his friends are looking through a huge lens, lens of assumption of what God's justice should look like in the world. That every single thing that happens in this universe should be operated according to the strict principle of justice. If you're wise and you honor God, good things will happen to you. But if you are evil and stupid and do stupid things, bad things will happen to you. That's the principle. This obviously is not the case for Job or for us. Sometimes bad things happen to us because we are doing the right things. And because we are or we seem to be a threat to the enemy. Job's argument is this. He's innocent. And therefore, his punishment isn't a divine punishment. We know that both of these things are true. We know it says in the scripture that he's innocent. And that you'll see that it's not God punishing Job. So Job accuses God of not running the world according to justice or that God is simply unjust based on his understanding and all the world's understanding of how God should operate according to justice. The friend's argument is that God is just and runs the world according to justice in his way. They conclude by accusing Job, check this out, of the sins that he must have committed. They even start making up other things that Job must have done for these bad things to happen to him. He's on an emotional roller coaster, Job. You ever been there with God? You relate to any of this? Good stuff. on an emotional roller coaster with God. He used to think that God is just, and now he can't reconcile that with his suffering because of his understanding. I thought God was just. Why am I suffering? In an outburst, he accuses God as a bully and that in some way, God has orchestrated all of this injustice in the world. Sound familiar? The enemy is still trying to convince non-believers and even those of the faith of this. But the moment Job utters the thought, he's terrified. (laughs) Because he wants to hope and believe that God is truly just. So he makes one last statement of his innocence and demands that God shows up personally to explain himself. All of a sudden, another surprise friend shows up. 
And he says a lot of the similar things that the other friends are saying, but he adds that God uses suffering as a warning or to build character. He says he doesn't know why Job is suffering. But he knows one thing. Job is wrong to accuse God of being unjust. The dialogue comes to a close in chapters 3 to 37. The wisdom of the agents is spent and the mystery remains. In chapters 38 to 41, it is where we will focus on today. When God shows up and responds to Job's accusation. You see, because God takes Job on this virtual tour of the universe and he asks him all these questions about the order and the cosmos. Was Job even there? When God made the earth, does Job control the weather? All these details that Job has never thought of. And there's a deeper assumption that Job's friends could even make a claim as to how God ought ought to operate in this world. God's virtual tour deconstructs all these assumptions. In your notes, you've got God's response. A, he shows the universe is vast and that God has his eyes on all of it, okay? B, Job's view is very limited, and so is ours. And he's not in a position to make these assumptions, and neither are we. God even asked Job if he'd like to manage the world for a day according to his friend's principles of justice, punishing every evil person of every evil deed with precise retribution. Carrying out justice in a world like ours is extremely complex. It's never black and white like Job and his friends seem to think. Finally, God's last point in chapters 40 to 41. Is this good? You guys still getting all this? He describes two characters in which some people think are descriptions of a hippo and the crocodile. More likely, it is referring to the well-known Greek ancient mythology that are used as symbols of disorder and danger. They are not evil creatures, but they are not safe, much like God's world. Check this out. A, it's amazing, God's world. It's very good, but it is not perfect or always safe. I'm giving you context to the creatures so you don't take it out of context. B, it is beautiful, God's world, but it is also wild and sometimes dangerous. 
just like these two fantastic creatures. So we come back to the big question of Job's suffering. Why is there suffering in God's world? God says that we will live in a complex, amazing world at this stage. It is not designed to prevent suffering. Job challenges God's justice, and God's response is that Job doesn't have the knowledge to make such a claim. Job demands a full explanation of God, and what God asks Job is this, that Job trusts in God's wisdom and God's character. (laughs) Finally, in chapter 42, Job responds with humility, and he asks for forgiveness of accusing God and acknowledges that he oversteps. Have you ever overstepped before with your earthly father? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe with your heavenly father? Hmm. God says that his friends were wrong. Job still approves, or God still, uh, still approves Job's wrestling and coming to God. Then God blesses Job with a great, with great, great generosity. (laughs) He gets all that and more back. When we search for reasons, we simply view God as a friend, gentlemen. Or we accuse God based on limited evidence. We need to trust in the Lord, our God. We need to bring our pain and our grief to God, and trust that he cares, and he knows what he is doing. And that, in a snapshot, is what the book is all about. Okay, I'm going to fire off three quick points. At least one of them will be deep for you. And um, I set this up. I used most of my time to give the, to dive into the context of Job for this reason. The next two services to follow, the 10.30 and the 4.30 service, are going to be incredible. Pastor Rudy has prepared a message in regards to Job and our feature presentation with Father Stu. It's going to hit you so hard. What I wasn't going to do is preach his message. So I figure, let's focus. Let's get a snapshot to Job so you have some background that you can take with you and equip you men, not just to apply in your own life, But as the conversations, and there will be many, that will occur after each service on the patio, that you will have context, that you will have God's word, that you will be prepped and ready to respond accordingly to how God wants you to respond. You good with that? All right. (laughs) It's good stuff. I'm feeling it today. So I want to start with verses 1 and 2, right in the beginning. Then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? (laughs) You are God's critic, but you don't have the answers. Whoa. Someone once told me the difference between a critic and those that critique is a matter of the heart. Isn't it? Well, I'm just critiquing. No, you're being a critic right now. You're not building up the church right now. You're not building up my God right now. You're not building up his promises and his word right now. So stop being a critic. Not in my nose. (laughs) I'm coming at you hard this morning, but with love. And I'm speaking to myself. 
So do you still argue with the Almighty? And if so, how do you do it? You might argue with your wife, you argue with your kids. But how many of you know you can get a lot better at communicating? Yes? If you agree, say aye. All right. <laughs> Good stuff. You don't always have to agree or even always have to understand. But we do need to trust. Say trust. Trust. There are times when, when I don't know and still don't always agree with my earthly father. Especially when it comes to the way of doing things. <laughs> my dad's a hardworking man. My dad's a very wise man. He's been around a lot longer than me. He's a very skilled man. He's more skilled than I am. Most importantly, my father, my father, my earthly father is a godly man. And yes, he is a just man. There are times when I come to him and I share my heart and my disagreements. <laughs> but in the end, in the end, I know that he loves me. And ultimately, that I can trust him. Now, I'm blessed in this way. I know not every man and not every woman can say that they've had the same experience or even the same belief about their earthly father. And I do realize that some people struggle with their belief systems because of what they have, what they've experienced, as opposed to who their heavenly father actually is. And this was the difference between Job and all of his friends, his three friends, in their own understanding of trying to put God in the box of what they believed was just. That is why God dismissed Job's friends and says at the end, they're wrong. In the end, we must learn to develop a trust with our heavenly father. Have you not heard this verse echo throughout this season? Proverbs 3. Five to six. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path or make your path straight. Amen. This is Job's response to the Lord. I am nothing. <laughs> How could I ever find the answers. I will cover my mouth <laughs> with my hands. Denis read that. That was great. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. <laughs> Point two, when you've said too much, when you've said too much, do you know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? You know you got two of these and one of these? You know, if you just listen enough to a person and let them talk, eventually what's in the heart comes out of the mouth. But it's not wise for us to talk too much, is it? Proverbs, Proverbs says, actually, stay away from those people. We need to be real with God. Yes, but we also to remember who it is that we are talking to. He isn't just our friend. He isn't just our savior. He's our Lord. 
He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega. He breathed the universe into existence. He is Lord. And I think we take for granted because of what Jesus has done that we can come before the Holy of Holies. <laughs> and because of the blood of Christ on the cross and the forgiveness of sins that we can just go blah about anything. Tell him off and go on our way. Whoa, I warn you. <laughs> it's one thing to be real. It's even greater to have the revelation that he is Lord. And when you come to the point where you need to just do this, you know what? In my version, version in the message, it says, I'm ready to shut up and listen, Job answered. I'm ready to shut up and listen. It's in the Bible. I'm speechless, in awe. Words fail me. I should never have opened my mouth. I've talked too much, way too much. I'm ready to shut up and listen. It's in the message version. Look it up. <laughs> listen, be still and know I'm God. He loves you. Do you not know that he has what's best for you? Do you not know that his plans and purposes are to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future? Jeremiah 29, 11. I've said too much. We need to have reverence for him. More important than finding our reason is showing our reverence should be in your blank. More important than, Lord, I need to know the reason. God, I got to know the reason. More importantly, you need to revere him. And sometimes you need to just be okay with dad knows best. There's so many times with my kids, and you can ask them, where I all, I'm always trying to get at their heart, just like the Heavenly Father is trying to get at your heart. And I'm trying to give them the why and help them understand. But in their experience and in their mind, and although you think they would have gathered all the wisdom and, and understanding of the world by age nine, there's times when I just say, because I'm dad. You got to trust me that I love you and I know what's best for you. But why, Dad? Why can't I do this? And it comes to a time, just, will you trust me? Will you trust that, I, that I, I've been through this? I've seen this? I carried it all on the cross? You, do you think any of this surprises him? Where we can lean into his words and we can trust his ways even in the midst of a storm that we can have peace. My God's got me. And if he is for me, then who can be against me? If all things are working together for good for those that love the Lord and call according to his purpose, I can praise him even in the storm. Thank you, Jesus. Reverence is, is a profound respect and love. When you have a reverent attitude towards God, you honor him, you express your gratitude to him, and you obey his commands. Not because it's always convenient, or because you want to, or you feel like him, but because you revere him. There was a time when I was called into, into ministry, and Pastor Morris wanted me to come down to this church in Lethbridge, in Alberta, and I was quite comfortable. I, uh, I had a house. I had a child, Aiden was just born. I had three jobs, and I really liked my jobs. I was going to say love, but I love my wife. I like my jobs. And I had the revelation that God was doing ministry right where I was at. People were coming into the workplace, and they were getting to know Jesus as they got to know me. They shared stuff. They shared their troubles with me, and I pointed them to the Lord. 
And I was there. And then a month later, I got a phone call asking if I would come be children's pastor, my wife and I. And I said, I think you got the wrong guy. It's like Gideon in the Bible. I, th- I think you got the wrong guy, Lord. Like so many other people in the Bible. But it was so pressed. I struggled. My flesh struggled. I didn't understand. It didn't make sense. Surely, Lord, there was somebody wiser than me. And there always was. Surely, Lord, there was somebody else already in Alberta, and there had to have been. Why me, Lord? Why now? I got the house. I got the jobs. I'm rooted. I always wanted to come back home. But after I had my moment with God, I said, Lord, but if this is you, and I need to know it's you, I'll give up the house. I'll move to an apartment with my new family. I'll give it all up but I need to know it's you. Why? Because I revered him. Because all the things I thought I had in my world, I knew he could take from me like that. Because anything I had that was good came because of God and my obedience to him. And he blessed me because of that. And he's opened doors. There's been a lot of times in the seasons of my life where I don't understand, but I revere him and I trust in him. I trust in his word and I trust in Jesus. For in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. I trust in my relationship with him. I trust that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I trust. I don't always understand, but I trust. And we should be reverent in our behavior as well as our attitude towards God. And so, and then the Lord challenges Job Verse 7, you ready for it? Brace yourself. (laughs) Literally, this is your memory verse. Brace yourself like a man. Oh, can you imagine God saying that to you? Calling you out. Brace yourself. Put your name in there. Like a man. Because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. (laughs) Oh, Brace yourself. The Lord's got questions for you. How are you going to answer them? God is implying to be a man. We must be willing to listen to God and be willing to respond accordingly. If we come to him with bold questions or accusations, be ready to listen and respond with reverence. It is not our position to know all and judge God for the way that he runs this universe. Thank God that's not our position. Thank God that weight is not on us. Thank God it's not based on our understanding of fairness and of justice. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The wages of sin is death, and we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So thank God it's not that kind of justice. Are we willing to be challenged by God when it comes to the way that we think and the way that we respond according to his word? Are you willing? Are you ready? Say yes. All right, he's coming for you. (laughs) Carrying out justice in a world like ours is extremely complex, as I mentioned. It's never black and white like Job and his friends seem to think. It's red because of the blood of Christ. For we are saved by his grace, not by works, so that none can boast. We belong to Jesus. 
He is the light. He is the truth. And we have incorruptible, we have the incorruptible seed. We have the word of God. And this is our new nature. All who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Stand to your feet, men. The takeaway is this. More important than the reason is the revelation that God is Lord and that we must trust in his wisdom and trust in his character. And if you're here today and you've been struggling with trust, and to be honest with yourself for a moment that you've been trusting in your way of doing things and your understanding of doing things and you're ready to let go and let God in this moment, let it be your moment. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're listening online right now or getting this YouTube video right now on a podcast right now, don't wait any longer. He loves you. He died for you. And he wants you to be set free of all condemnation. And if you don't understand a lot of things, understand this. Paul said in Romans 10 verse 9, if we believe in our heart, confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing that God the Father raised his son from the grave, we will be saved. Just let him in. Let him in. For God did not come to this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus came. He died and rose again. And he's coming back. He's left with us the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. You don't have to be alone any longer. I'm going to ask now that you pray this prayer with me with your whole heart. If you prayed it a, a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times, that you do so with all your heart and knowing that, whether it's your comeback moment, knowing that someone is first coming to Christ, this is the best part. This is why we come. This is why we gather. And this is why we go out and disciple. Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus. Oh, I didn't hear it enough. Dear Jesus, thank you. Those are the sweetest words I've ever heard. Would you say this? Please forgive me. I want to honor you. I want to revere you. I want to come to you. I want to be led by you. I believe, say I believe. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave. I'm asking you into my life. I'm asking you to be Lord over my life. I'm turning from my ways. And I'm turning to you. reach out to him right now. If you're online and, and, and you could give me a thumb emoji or whatever kind of emoji you could find, just reach out to him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray over you, Father God. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for speaking in your word today with, with love, in spirit and in truth. I thank you, Lord, for the worshipers that will be raised up in your house and not just in your house they will go out into all the nations I thank you Lord for the opportunity to be followers of you to step in being all in 
Lord, that you have not given up on us as men. And that as we leave today, we will leave bolder as worshipers, bolder as husbands, bolder as fathers, bolder in serving and loving you and trusting in you and in seeking you. is this if you haven't been baptized yet like it says in Acts 22 what are you waiting for get up and be baptized having your sins washed away calling on the name of the Jesus for we are commissioned to go into all the world making disciples baptizing the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit teaching others to obey his commands and surely he is with us always we are blessed in this house to have water and not just water fresh water there's a lot of places in the world that don't even have fresh water and they're willing to step in and they are running to Jesus right now would you do the same if you haven't stepped in yet baptism means to be all in fully and fully immersed says we are baptized with Christ. We go in the water represents when he went to the grave. He goes with us. We come up out of the water represents his resurrection. He goes with us. We are resurrected with Christ. It's no small thing. It's not just a demonstration. It is spiritual. It is a calling on every believer as disciples to step in and be baptized. So, going to be up there and he will baptize you will you not Rick he will with great honor if you have any questions you come to me I'll be down here but let's finish off by worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth go ahead guys thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.